It is so good to be in Louisiana. Oh, I have been yearning for some Louisiana food for so long. I've been dieting just to get here to eat. Seriously, it is so good. And I just feel so at home in, in your church. It's a beautiful church. You are beautiful people. And God bless you. I am filled with just a great love for you already. And I hope that you'll love me too. <laughs> Hallelujah. So you saw in the video, it's, it's a summary of, of part of my story. And it's not the complete story. I'm going to tell you uh, a few details. And so it's, it's almost like a, a science lesson. And I know we're in summer right now. We're not supposed to have school, but we're going to have a little school, okay? Is that okay with you? Yeah. And I want to start off. There's a scripture that has marked my life. And it's a very common scripture. A lot of you probably already know it by heart. But if you're visiting today and you've never heard it, here it is. It's taken from Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. And it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And the last phrase, And by his wounds we are healed. Now I'm a yeah that's it you can yeah that's it. I grew up like Pastor said. I'm a country girl from Bruley, Louisiana, and only two people know that it exists here. Well, three, including me. And um, and I when I I gave my life to the Lord, I was 18, and I, I I discovered this scripture, and I thought, man, my list of iniquities and transgressions were really big. It was like a a Santa list, you know, the things that we want, but it was all of my transgressions. And I remember this scripture; it just impacted me tremendously when I when I, when I learned that it was Jesus who did all of this. This was a prophecy about. Jesus, and that he did all of this for me. And three and a half years ago, I discovered a whole nother level of this phrase. And it says, and by his wounds, we are healed. And I believed it. I'm a pastor over in Brazil, you know, of course I believe it. But, and I pray for people and we we pray and we believe, but I never experienced it until three and a half years ago. And I want to take a few minutes to explain to you what happened. It was October 26, 2012. And I, I, we live in Rio de Janeiro, which is a beautiful city. And I know that a lot of you know Mike and Kim Corville. And they served with us there on the mission field. And just to let you know, they are amazing. And I love them very much. And they know and they can tell you that Rio is a very beautiful city. And so my, my kids studied at school very close to the beach. And so I'd leave them at school and I'd go about a block away to the beach. And I like to run and I like to walk and I like to just, it was beautiful and free. I didn't have to pay anything to the gym to lift weights or any of that. So I just thought, you know, nice little run, nice little walk. That's good, right? Yeah? Okay. Everybody awake? Yeah? We need some more coffee, Pastor. Um, good old American, uh, Louisiana coffee. Okay. Um, so sorry, I'm getting distracted. So I, I, I do that and I've done it two to three times a week for a very long time. It was a safe place. It was eight o'clock in the morning and, and there was nothing, no fear that I ever had, but this particular day was a Friday and at, at eight o'clock in the morning, I did the same thing, parked my car and began to walk. Well, I was encountered by a homeless man, just like Philip explained to you. And I never, to this day, I don't remember seeing him. I don't, I don't remember him ever being on the beach before. I don't remember anything. But what they say, what witnesses told me was that he came up behind me and he smashed me in the head with a huge piece of wood. And we're talking about a, a piece of wood about the size of a post of a fence. And he swung at me and he knocked me out the first hit. And he continued to hit me because he wanted to kill me. He didn't rob me. He didn't steal anything. His main purpose was to kill me. 
And we all know that that is the enemy at work. And we all know that there's a lot of us that he wants to kill. And he is, he's not a nice guy. He's not nice. And that was his purpose, to kill me. Right away, God did many little miracles, one after another. And first of all, the ambulance got, someone called that the ambulance got to me very quickly. Now, I want you to remember, now here in Lafayette, it's a pretty big city. But imagine Lafayette with 12 million people. Just think about it. So Rio is a very big city, and this was rush hour on a Friday. And we all know, you can ask Mike and Kim, Fridays are the worst traffic day ever. So the ambulance got to me, picked me up, brought me to the hospital. It was a public hospital. I had no identification on me, so no one knew I had health insurance or anything. So they brought me to a public hospital. But you know, it was the best place I could have gone. They were ready to... Uh, to have surgery on me, ready to operate on me. And they have a special team, a special, uh, especially trained for brain injuries and head injuries. I was in the right place. All the equipment was working. So remember, this is third world, okay? So, and that was just miracle after miracle. And the first thing they did, just like the reporter said, I had three surgeries. The first two surgeries was one was to remove... Um, like Philip explained, half, he said the whole thing, but it was the whole thing on, on the left side. And what they did was they cut my skull and removed it. And the other side, I don't think they had to cut because it was damaged. They just simply cleaned it out to give me space on this side. The second surgery right away was to drain the, the blood and the liquids that had formed because of the trauma and to remove the debris. So those were the two surgeries. By that time, Philip had not even gotten to the hospital. First of all, when he got the phone call, he didn't believe that anything that bad could have happened to me. Um, so it took him a little while to get to the hospital. When he got to the hospital, he was greeted by a team of, uh, of physicians or, or medical assistants with a, an igloo. Is that what you still call them? An ice chest? You know? And it didn't have beer in it or anything like that. It had my skull in it. And they approached Philip and they said, do you need to sign all these documents because we're bringing part of your wife's skull to a bone bank? Imagine getting that, that message when you get to the hospital. And that was because Philip, he went into the wrong door of the hospital. But anyway, so it did. So my, my skull was removed. It was sent off to a bank on the other side of town. And that was our situation. Everybody still with me? Okay. I'm trying to hurry, Pastor. I'm doing my best. So I, it's important for me to tell you the, the, the prognosis that, that they gave me. And that was, uh, first of all, when you arrive at the hospital, they give you a number of tests. And the first thing they, they, um, they, they discovered that only one of my eyes was dilating. By the time of my surgery, both of my eyes were not dilating. I suffered what they call a midline shift. And what that means is, um, to make it very simple, my, my brain had got disconnected. It got moved about a half a centimeter. But when you're talking about a brain being dislocated, it's a pretty serious thing. The other thing, I suffered bilateral subdural bruising on both sides. And basically what that means... Um, it, it just it means it was really bad. It's bilateral, subdural, it's beneath, it's bruising that occurred deep down inside of my brain in addition to the outside. I also suffered an obliteration of the third ventricle. Wow, that's fancy, isn't it? Um, and what that is, is we all know, we learned in school, that there are nerves that... Uh, that descend our spinal column. And from those nerves, it functions everything in our body. We, we, um, we receive messages that uh, control our, our breathing, our organs, muscles, movements of our arms and legs, and just everything. So what had happened in my, the third ventricle was one of my nerves had been compressed and so what happens, and the reason why they had to remove half of my skull is because it, it's sort of like, has anyone ever, 
hit this bone right here, like smashed it on the coffee table or something like that, yeah. And it doesn't hurt much, does it? It does, right? And sometimes what happens, it swells, right? And then it turns, mine turned purple, and then after a few days it turns yellow, and it looks really bad, right? Well, imagine that happened in my brain. So it was bruising, it was, it was trauma that had occurred. So what happens is our swell, when we suffer trauma, uh, when our brain, uh, when we suffer trauma, it swells. And we know that in our cranium, in our skull, there's no room for it to swell. So naturally, it descends our spinal column, which is not good, which causes our nerves to be compressed like mine was. So the best, and it sounds very radical and very brutal, but the best thing they could have done for me was remove half of my skull. And that is part of what saved my life, really, seriously. And so um, that's the reason. Everybody got it? That's our science lesson for the day. Amen. Thank God that's over, right? The doctors uh, finally talked to Philip, and Philip, he, he, you saw him on the video, and, he's, and I'm really am missing him. It's been a long time we've been apart, and, but he, he's, he's a man of faith. He really is a man of great faith, but beyond that, he's also just an optimist. He just every, you know the thing that, that is, a, is a glass half filled with milk or, ha, you know, or empty, half empty? He is always a half full always. And so when he finally got to speak to the doctors as they came out of the operating room, he said, so doctor, um, so, so tell us, you know, like, when do you think we can go home? I mean, that is like raw optimist, you know? And so the doctor said, no, Philip, you really don't understand what's happening. Let me, let me tell you. So Philip is also, he's a trained engineer. And so he loves numbers and he loves statistics and he loves everything that has to do with a number and you show me a number and I just it's what I pay at the grocery store you know I don't just that's it but he so the doctor sat down with him and he told him that listen Philip and he showed him a computerized uh, program that where you put in the the input of my condition and it gives you the results of of what that that is of you know and and they and they take part of a it's a worldwide association in hospitals and this particular hospital was part of it and so what they told him was that Renee has 66% chance that she will die within 2 weeks and so and beyond that he said if she in fact does live the statistics show here based on what she suffered there's a 92% chance that she will have severe disabilities 92% severe disabilities. So Philip said, so, okay, well, what does that mean? And so the doctor said, well, Philip, you probably need to rearrange your life. It's not going to be the same. You need to, you know, rearrange everything. And, and so Philip said, well, what, I mean, what does that mean? And he said, well, she will not walk. She will not talk. She will not have memory. She will not recognize anyone. That's if she can see, because most likely she will be blind and she will be deaf. And she will need 24-hour care. And most likely she will not even leave the hospital. So Philip listened to that and he said, okay, well, what about the other 8%? <laughs> Yeah. And so the doctor said, well, six to seven percent would be um, she, that she was, you know, that falls into uh, medium uh, disabilities. And so Philip says, okay, well, so what is that? Well, she may talk a little bit, but she still may not recognize your family, or she may recognize but not be able to communicate very well. She might only be blind in one eye and deaf in one ear. Um, she might even walk, but she'll need a, a, a walker and she'll need help. Um, and so that's pretty much the situation. So Philip said, well, wait a minute, there's still that 1%. And the doctor said, well, Philip, you really, uh, you know, I just don't want to, you know, give you false hope that, you know, and he was a very, very, um, educated doctor. He, he spoke with total truth about what was happening. He wasn't, he wasn't dooming me or anything like that. It was just the facts. That's what it was. It's based on what she suffered. It is very unlikely that she will even fall in that 1%. So what does one do when one receives a really bad, 
notice when you receive really bad news what does one do so Philip left the office there with the doctor and he thought well I I can't do surgery on her I can't there's nothing I can do so I am going to ask everyone to pray and that's you saw these videos here and he did them every day every day and he contacted everyone that he could possibly know or not know he sent emails and Facebooks and FaceTimes and Skype and emails and text messages and and she's mails, whatever that is, I don't know, but he, to tell everyone, please be praying for my wife. And we, we are part of, along with Brother Larry, we are part of a, a team of missionaries all throughout the world. And they were praying in Australia, praying in China, praying in Africa, praying in Chile, praying in Argentina, praying in Canada, and, and I think maybe in Louisiana too. <laughs> so everyone was praying, and, and that is, 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 is vital. And, you know, and, and he claimed Hebrews 11.1, 1, and we all know that too, that is the faith Uh, chapter and it says this now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see now he received the bad news and that you can't say that that was not the truth it was a level of truth he cannot receive that from the doctor and says no I just I don't believe any of it okay you don't have to believe it but it is a truth it is the fact when you get your bank statement from the bank and it says you are in the red you, that it's just the truth right you know and if and, and so there's a level of truth but faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we don't see on the bank statement, right? And so that is what faith is about. It's not, it's not just pretending that the truth, the natural truth doesn't exist, but it's seeing beyond the natural truth. It's seeing with God's eyes about what is that supposed to look like, right? And then one, I don't know if you noticed it, but Philip put a picture of me above my bed. And um, I forgot to tell you this too, that I was also in a coma. And there's coma ratings from zero to 15. And 15 is the best. So if you have a brain trauma and you have a 15, you're pretty much, you're going to be okay. But if you receive a level three, that means that you're technically brain dead, that your brain is no longer functioning. You could still be alive, your body is alive, but your brain has been is dead, if, and that's a coma level three. When I arrived at the hospital, they gave me a coma, coma level of number five. The surgeon himself told me when I was on the operating table, ready to, to be operated, he said that it had already dropped to a level four. A level four coma. And you might know this too, that people just don't pop out of a level four coma rating. You just don't. Um, well, some people do. <laughs> but um, so that was the other thing. So faith was, you know, he put that photo of me above the, my bed. And, and that's what we are hoping for. That's the assurance. That's a faith in my heart to believe for something that I'm not seeing. And that can happen in any area. And I don't know what your battle is today. I know Pastor prayed an amazing prayer for his church. And that was really great. And I, you know, I don't know what your battle is. Is it your health? Is it relationships? Is it, you know, family? We, we go, we are confronted with a lot of battles. And just because we are Christians doesn't mean we're not going to go through some hard times. Because they do come. And God is looking to see, how is she going to pass this one? How is he? Because I can't wait. Wait to see her on the other side. You know, God is in favor of our victory. Did you know? He is in favor of our victory and he is rooting for you. And isn't that great? God is so good. So Philip contacted the world and said, please pray. Our pastor, who is Pastor Larry Stockstill, was giving a conference in Nepal. And at the time it happened. And so there were pastors in Nepal praying for this little old girl from Bruley who was in a hospital in Rio de Janeiro. That is the body of Christ. And um, there were missionaries all over the world praying for me. Australia, China, Africa, Europe, 
Chile, Argentina, and in addition to that, all of Brazil, because the the media even helped spread that message, not to pray, but what was going on. And it was reported a missionary, an American missionary. And so the church started praying. And even beyond the church, I get reports all the time that other religions, I mean, like real other religions praying or are rooting for my, for, in my favor. And, 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 and God used that to wake up the church. And I tell you that because it's so important. When we go through hard times, our natural instinct is to hide. We don't want anybody, we don't want to trouble anybody with our worries or our trials or our battles. And so we just want to just, I'm just not going to tell anybody, just me and God, and we'll just get through this. But I tell you, if it were not for the church and their faith to believe that I would be healed, I promise you, I do not think I would be here today telling you this message. Yes. We need the church. You need the church. When we are going through difficult times, it is essential that you take the hand of that person next to you, that brother, that sister, and say, believe with me to have this victory. Believe with me to get this miracle. It is so essential. I cannot say it enough, enough, enough that you cannot, um, you cannot deny the church the honor to believe with you. Does that make sense? You cannot deny, no, just me and God. It's not just you and God. You need the church. Because in the church is where that connection with God is. I don't mean in the church building. I mean people, right? I, I mean the, the, you know, the others who believe, who have the faith to believe beyond the natural. Those who have the faith to believe in the supernatural. And so it is, it is, I cannot say it enough and how much I love the church because I see it. It is the powerful army of God that moves and works and lives and breathes under the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you get that? I just, I cannot ever, I just, I love the body of Christ. I love the body of Christ. And we, the church is not weak. You know, sometimes we hear, you know, all the news on the, you know, things are going bad. And I know we're about, in America, we're having a new election and, and things are kind of crazy. And, you know, who do we vote for? All these things, they are doubts that we have. But there is power in the church. There is power, and not our power. I mean, just the power of God that works through you. You know, there's the, the power of a, the, the gift of healing, the gift of prophecy, the gift of wisdom. Like, like Pastor's saying, you have to go to this class, people. You, it is essential that you, you find out what is God doing in you and how you can be used by God. It is essential, and, and the church needs your gifts of healing. We need it. You know, there are a lot of sick people in church. There really are. I'm, a, I'm shocked. See, I'm not shocked anymore, but I was surprised. Wow. You know how much we need the, the power of God. The, am I saying that enough? I just, it's so deep in me, Pastor. It's hard to get past this note. And I'm already running out of time again. <laughs> so the church, so that's what my husband did. He contacted the church and they began praying. And he himself will tell you, as he told me, he said, Renee, I did not have the faith to go in your room and say, get up in the name of Jesus, be healed, take up your bed and walk. He just did not, he said, I confess, I did not have that kind of faith. But he said, I, I kept praying. Uh, Pastor Jonathan Stockstill called him and gave him this word out of Acts 14, 19. And it says this, uh, then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over, which means made them very angry. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Verse 20 says this, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Now that's God. That's the God we serve. That, that's not just, you know, way back millions of years ago. This is today. This is the God we serve. And so 
Philip took that word and he um, he even said it on national television. He said, no, I believe Renee is going to be healed and she's going to come back into the city of Rio de Janeiro and she's going to preach the word of God. He said that. When you saw him on the, on the video, yeah, you can clap. Yes, that's it. God is good. That is faith. That is looking beyond the natural. She will be healed and she will go back and she will minister in the same city. Then, it, I mean, Paul, the next day, he got up, he and Barnabas, and they left for another city in addition to the one he was already in. Now, that is God. Now, God did not do that with me, but he was very good. So Philip began to pray, just like you, you saw it, step by step. And I want to tell you this. I forgot to tell the service earlier, and Pastor, Pastor Todd told you. This is my book. I have it right outside. It's just $10, but it tells you all the, um, the details that I'm not going to be able to tell you, all of them today. And it is really amazing, all the miracles that God did. And we even have these uh, really cool QR codes. Did I say that right? Those of you who are 30 and below who know what that means. Um, a QR code that you can watch the video that relates to the to the what is being read. Amen? Okay, got that? Hallelujah. So lots of details. But he began praying for each thing, like the feeding tube and the that I would wake up and and um did we pass that one already? The one back up one where my eyes were opening? I think it's yeah, that's when my eyes started opening. And then uh, you can see the barrel. So they didn't stay open for 24 hours. It wasn't like wasn't like Paul. I was not like Paul. Unfortunately, God did not heal me like he healed Paul. It took me a while. I was a little slower than Paul. And so he, he, I woke up, but I only stayed awake for maybe 5, 10, at the most 15 minutes. And I slept for the rest of the 23 hours in the day. So when I tell you coming out of a coma level 4 is not just you're in a coma and you wake up. Now, I have heard cases today that that has happened that did not happen with me and even the doctors say that when that someone does come out of a coma that's naturally kind of a it's step by step and so that's what I did I woke up a little bit and we triumphed the whole hospital was celebrating that wow she opened her eyes and that was you know that was the the cup is half full you know, it wasn't, we could have said, oh yeah, too bad, it's not, she's not totally healed, oh well, you know, let's all go home and close the shop and leave. No, it's a little bit. And you know, faith sometimes works like that. Even Jesus said, if you have the faith the size of a, the, 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 the mustard seed, and that is really tiny, you know, and, and that's what he told his disciples, if you have that much faith, you can move mountains. And, and that's a little bit of faith. And so each time they, because I say they, I mean like you, they, the church, I, it, I was not praying at this. I mean, obviously, you know, it was not. I needed the church, and the church carried me through these each and every miracle. Isn't that amazing? That was you. That, that was you. You share in my miracle. Isn't that amazing? It's not just me. It's you, too. We all share in this. And it's so beautiful. So we go on. Um, I, so when I left the hospital, I was walking. I was talking. I was uh, speaking in Portuguese and in English. Um, by the way, they did put my skull back. This is mine. Yay. And my hair grew and everything. Amazing. It was another miracle because just because you put your bones in a bone bank doesn't mean that you're going to be able to put it back into your body. It was another miracle. It lived. Isn't that cool? I, mean, I told you it was going to be a science lesson today, right? So um, when I left the hospital, and I managed to leave the hospital in less than a month, so I got home, and uh, I got home, and I could walk, and I could, but I was, I, I was walking kind of like this, just very stiff. I was very stiff and tense, like my my neck was always just stiff, and I I talked really funny, and I was taking a lot of medicine, so much so that in the hospital. Even Philip really liked this medicine that they had to give me because I was a bit uncontrollable. And um, for instance, very frequently I would see pigs flying. And that normally doesn't happen. And I would call the nurse and tell her that we need to castrate them. I don't raise pigs. I don't do pigs. But they were in my hospital room. 
And, and so there were, there were things that were not right. I, I was doing all these physical things. That, like Philip said, I brushed my teeth. It was all a miracle. But there was things on the inside that were not right. Um, there, there was a time that I, I would escape my bed before my skull was put back. So you can imagine that's kind of dangerous. I fell out of my bed twice. Not They had to call everybody and do emergency MRI. And it was crazy. So they ended up having, they would have to tie me to the bed. And this little old girl from Brulee did not like that, okay? Um, so Philip was the only one that I would obey enough to where he could, he could tie me to the bed and thank God for that. But one day he decided to preach on a Sunday night, so he called my sweet little mother-in-law over. And I love my mother-in-law, by the way. I really do. She's the sweetest, most precious lady. And it was her turn to tie me to the bed, and that was not pretty at all. I, I bit her twice, one on each hand. And I bit her the first time, and you would think she would give up after that. And she said, well, no, now I have to do the other one. And I bit her on that one, too. It was awful. And I know what you're thinking. You, you've been wanting to bite your mother-in-law for a long time. But that is not cool. Don't do that, okay? That's not, that's not really good. So, but there were crazy things. I was not well emotionally. I, I would say really weird things and I had to take a lot of medicine to control those things that I was seeing and feeling. I would say I had no filter about what to say and what not to say. So, I don't remember anything, okay, but I know there were several people who came and they sang for me in the hospital, and I would look at my husband and say, she cannot sing. <laughs> you know, can you get her out of here? I mean, and so I had no filter, and so it was really scary, so they're like, give her some more medicine. Give her, you know. And so I stayed on this medicine until uh, up until January when I started therapy, and the whole time I, I drooled all the time. I, don't, I think it was because of the medicine, but, but in order to control my emotional status, I needed the medicine, but that made me drool and that made me frustrated because of that. And so it was a, a big tangled up sort of, I needed healing, right? And so, um, in, in, so I got home Thanksgiving day in November. And then uh, in December, we met with my neurologist again. And he told me, he looked at my last MRI, the, the latest one, and then he, we would ask him, so what is this right here? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's been damaged. And particularly this front lobe, front lobe here and the two sides. And then we said, what about this? It was discolored parts of my brain. Yeah, that's, that's bad too. And this, yeah, that one too. And this one, and this one. So there are spots all around my brain that, you could see it was different. It was not healed. And he said, you know, within six months to a year, it could get better or it might not. After a year, it most likely will not get better. So we went home and he said, and he closed the MRI and he gave it back to me. He said, my work is finished. And I was like, wait a minute. I said, can't you see? You know, I was paralyzed on my left side. I was walking like this. I was talking weird. And then, in addition to that, this eye was looking at you guys over there, but this one was looking at these guys. And so I said, can't you see, you know? And so I saw everything doubled. So, you know, if, for instance, there were like 400 people here this morning, I would see 800, and that would be really cool if I was an evangelist, an evangelist, you know. Yeah, glory to God, you know. But it wasn't really nice. I couldn't find the, the ends of a counter. I couldn't, it was not good. And I said, what do you mean your work is complete? I am not complete. There's nothing else you can do. And basically he said, no. I mean, basically he said, we, we've done everything we can. And so we went home thinking, okay, the rest is God. The rest is the supernatural. What, what more can we do? So, um, we got a phone call. Uh, we, we went to therapy. We got, we tried to be accepted into a program to, to get therapy. And before we had this, um, I would, uh, I was at home and I was paralyzed. When my kids were all, you saw them on the video, I have four kids. And anyone who has a big family knows that there's a lot of work to do when you have a big family. And I got to the point where I really was bothered by it. I had, there were so many things to do and I could not do it. I, I couldn't help my, I couldn't cook because I couldn't hold things. I couldn't, and my eyes were all messed up and, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't hold, I couldn't even wash dishes. And you're thinking, glory to God, right? <laughs> 
And in Brazil, we do not have dishwashers, so that complicated it even just a little bit more. And so, but I actually got to the point where I literally, I cried. And I said, God, I want to wash dishes. I want to be 100% healed. And part of that meant that washing dishes was part of being 100% healed. And I literally, no other woman in the entire world would have prayed that. But I wasn't well emotionally either, you know. So, um, but God answered it. A day after I went down, I started washing the dishes I could. And uh, it was healing. It was healing. And there's a part, there's a, there's a partnership. I call it a partnership that happens. In Philippians 2.13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So I often say, you know, God is not going to do what you can do. Right? So I, I wasn't walking properly. I was, you know, so there were, there were issues. So we went to the pool. We had a pool by our house and I clapped my hands and my, my husband was doing therapy with me too. He had Googled how to do therapy and he was making me do all kinds of stuff. He's a better pastor than he is a therapist. I promise you. Do not call him to be your therapist. But so um, he do this with this hand, and so to reconnect because we were trying to reconnect all of the the neurons that needed to be reconnected. So I clapped my hands under the water, and within a week, I was at church on the front row, bouncing and jumping and clapping my hands because before that, I couldn't do it. And I can wash a lot of dishes now, too, because God healed. You can see, I'm good. I can do this. I'm good. Yeah, God is good. So then we get a phone call, and it was a, 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 we call them Pastora. Pastora Joy is her name. And she said, can I please come over to your house and pray for you? And we said, yeah, sure. So, you know, there's a, there's this supernatural part that we cannot forget, that God was doing the supernatural. Um. She came and she prayed with me, and it was a beautiful prayer. She prayed for my neurons to be connected and everything. When she left, she looked at me and she says, Renee, your eyes will be healed in six days. And so we thought, wow, you know, couldn't it be four or five days? You know, can move it up a little bit, you know? And we didn't say that to her. We were totally respectful of, of and, and so the sixth day, my son, he woke me up. He said, Mom, I'm leaving. And when I looked at him, he said, Mom, your eyes, they're normal. They had been healed. They had literally, overnight, they had gone back in place. Yes. So so that is the supernatural. Remember, you know, there, and she has the gift of healing. And she prayed for me, and she had the guts enough to call us, and they cannot come over and pray for you. And we didn't know. We knew her church. We knew her pastor. I did not know her personally. But she prayed for me. And in the sixth day, I was healed. My eyes were literally, I swear to you, it was amazing. I, it was just, my mom was at my house too, and my mom, she's Catholic, and she, she saw me, I was basically running down the stairs to tell her, and we cried together in my living room, and she said, God does do miracles, doesn't he? And I said, oh yes, he does. He does. And, um, so God healed my, my eyes. I went to therapy and that is the partnership. You know, do what you can do. You know, you can sit and say, Oh God, I need that miracle. But you're sitting on the couch with your remote control. That might not get you any further in your miracle. Okay. And do what you can do what, you know, God is not going to do what you can do. So I went to therapy three times a week. They taught me how to talk again. They taught me how to walk again because I I wasn't quite wearing high heels today. I can, but I wasn't back then. Uh, I was very, uh, didn't have balance. My eyes were healed, which helped everything. And, but that was a super, that was the body of Christ. You see that it's so, it's so, so, so essential the body of Christ and the supernatural and you working with God. Amen. So, uh, so January assorted, um, therapy in February, I preached, uh, in Portuguese, the women in the church said, Renee, you need to preach your testimony. And I thought, you guys are crazy. I cannot do that. And they said, yeah, yeah. So they convinced me to do it. I said, well, look, I will speak for 15 to 20 minutes and then we'll pray for everybody and we'll go home. Okay. Yeah, so we 
we tried that, and I started speaking, and it was not good Portuguese. And if you, there's a video on YouTube, if you ever would dare trying to look at that, it was awful. My speech was really, it was amazing, but it was a miracle because I was speaking Portuguese, and and I was doing okay. It was not beautiful, but I was doing it, and. After an hour and 30 minutes, my husband was in the back door going, Renee, stop, stop, it's enough, it's stop. So, you know, Pastor, I'm really, see what I'm really trying to keep it in 40 minutes. I'm really trying because I could just go on and on. But, but it was, it was a mirror. That was in February, people. Remember the 92% this and that and, you know, severe disabilities. I was standing on my two feet preaching in Portuguese, you know, and that is because part of it, yeah, that's good. It, Part of what I had suffered was in this frontal lobe, which controls all of that. And there I was. And then in March, we came and we went to the conference with Pastor Larry. And, and there's a video, I think, on YouTube also that's pretty awful. But if you bear to sit through that video, you can do that too and see the difference. You're hearing me today, but you can see the difference. That was three years ago. And then in uh, April, I decided that I was going to go and walk again at the beach where I got hurt. Now, I had already gone several times back to that same location. I told my husband, I want to see where it happened. I don't remember anything. I don't, you know, tell me where it happened. Show me where it happened. Show me when, you know. And so he showed me. But So we went several times, and he would go with me. But by April, I was able to go by myself. And so and that is telling the enemy that you will not put fear on me. I will not take that on as, as baggage. I will not. And sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes, we, you know, the fear, we need to confront that fear. And I was not going to be held by fear. So in April, back at the beach, to this day, I'm still doing that. In fact, I'm training to run a 5K, and I still go to the same place. I love it. I just love it. I, it's, I, it's, I'm worshiping God by running right in the same place. I lo- it is just, it just makes me so motivated. I love it. I love it. I lo- it's like staring the devil in the face saying, you are over. This, you, you cannot get me. You cannot. And I, I just can't. I can barely contain myself. So that was in April. In May, I started driving my car again. And yes, I am driving in Lafayette too. So be careful out there. Because there were, you know, studies done. I didn't have, I wasn't making right decision making and things. Well, by May, I was good. And I was able to drive a car. And I even traveled here all by my little self, me and GPS. And we got here safely. And that is good. That was not supposed to happen. You understand? That was not supposed to happen. In and so May, June, June, I spoke at my daughter's graduation, and in English. So I managed. It was getting better, getting better every time. In July, my husband decided that Julia and I would go and register her in a seminary from Rio to Dallas, and by ourselves, just me and her, without him. I couldn't believe it. I think about it today thinking, he was crazy. That man was crazy. This is less than a year from when the incident happened. And there I am in, with Julia in Dallas, registering her for school. I rented a car. I drove in Dallas, you know, and my GPS did not work then. It didn't work. And there were a lot of difficulties. We went to the bank. We went to, you know, got our things ready at our dormitory. We, and we went shopping and we went shopping and we went shopping. Did I say we went shopping? Yeah. And so it was amazing. When I got on the plane to come back, to go back to Rio, I literally cried from Dallas to Houston on the plane because I could not believe all that God had done. Seriously, it was, it was, it was just amazing. It was impossible. Impossible. Not supposed to happen. In September, we were invited to go white, white water rafting. Is that how you say it? Crazy. It hadn't been a year in September. Then in, when November rode around and it was Thanksgiving, we were in Rio and I always celebrated Thanksgiving in Rio. But I told Philip this time, no, we're going to spend a lot of money this time. And so he's like, okay, whatever, you know. I lit, I, I served 37 people that Thanksgiving. This is a year, just a year after I was supposed to have 92% not functioning, zero, okay? I served 37 people. I made
made three turkeys, 19 side dishes, and I finished it all up with two apple pies. Only God can do that, really. And I, I, I don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying this to you because I want you to say, oh, wow, great, Renee, it's so awesome. I, I did it because it was, it was like I was telling Pastor, to run is to worship God for me now. It's, I do it because I, I worship. It was that Thanksgiving was a celebration that I was healed and that it was, it was my worship back to him because he healed me so amazing. And I, I just, I, I can hardly contain myself um, to, to just, to just give him the praise and the glory. And you think, well, Renee, you know, what does that mean for me? I'm so glad for you. What does that mean for me? It means for you that whatever your battle is today, you are not in it alone, first of all, that you are in the right place today. You are in the church where the power of God can move and can flow and can change your life. And there is a God and he heals. I asked my 10-year-old after I got better, I said, well, son, why do you think mommy got healed? Why do you think God healed mommy? And my expectation was for him to say, oh, mommy loves us and he loves me and he just wanted our family to be happy again or something like that. And he said, he didn't say any of that. He said, mom, I think God healed you because he wants the world to know that he heals. And that's the truth. I don't know what your battle is today, and, and I've, I've had emotional problems. I, I had to be healed with that. Now the doctors are saying that I'm better today than I was before the incident. Okay, no, husbands, don't go home and get a baseball bat after your wife. Don't do it. Don't do it. But they are literally saying I'm better today than I was before. That only God can do that. And he's not interested in healing us 20% or 30%. I really think his heart is to heal us 100%. And, and I want to pray for you today. And, and pastor's given us the liberty to do that. So stand up with me, church. Think of what is that miracle you need? Is it, is it your health? Is it, um, is it emotions? Because, you know, a lot of things we go through, traumas in our childhood, we go through things, things that we, it's not our fault. We are, we suffer traumas that were not because of something we did or didn't do. It's things that came from the outside, but God can heal you. He can heal your emotions. I was asked a million times, do you forgive the man who hit you? And I say, yes, and yes, and yes. In fact, I do. I sincerely feel sorry for him. He was a mental case. And he needed to not be living on the streets of Rio de Janeiro. He needed to be taken care of, and he was not. There was no one there to help him. I forgive him for many reasons. I do not want to, uh, to hinder my healing. And I forgive him because it is the right thing to do. And it releases him. And it it helps me to look at my future and not stay stuck in my past. Amen? So maybe that's a thing you're battling. Maybe you just can't forgive. Today is a day you can get healed of that. And God can give you the the liberty to, to forgive. Maybe it's your finances. Am I hitting on a few things here? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe, Renee, my finances are a disaster. That's okay. You know, you're, if, you're, if your bottom line is in the red, God can transform that. That's not too big. For, it's going to take, take you working with him and doing stuff on your part, too. Like everything, I think. And we need the supernatural. And that's where our God is here to let you know that God still heals today. Hallelujah. So I want you to leave your... Leave out your, uh, of your pews, your, your seats, and, and take a step of faith. I'm going to believe God for this miracle that I, that I need. I need a healing. I need, I need, I need God to transform my, my finances. God, I need a reform in my relationships. And how many times the enemy comes in to try to destroy our relationships? Marriages struggle, families struggle. Sons and daughters struggle with parents. Parents struggle with sons and daughters. There is conflict, and none of that is too big for God. So come on, leave your leave your 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 uh, your, your your seats. Gosh, I can't even say seats. What is the word? Pews. Is that what you use? Come on, let's take a step out in faith. We're going to pray for you. We're going to believe God to move here. 
Pastor Todd said, yes, we're going to pray. Our church prays. We're going to seek God. In the first service, there was everybody being prayed for and things happening and moving. Amen? What is that miracle you need? Is it your health? Is it relationship? Do you need to forgive? Do you need to ask forgiveness? All those things are, that is, that is the body of Christ. That's what we need. And he is so good. He didn't, he doesn't do this. He didn't do miracles just for Renee Murdoch. Amen. He's the God who heals. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just, we just give all of this to you. Holy Spirit, I, I, I give you liberty. Holy Spirit, move and touch, Father, each and every case here, Father, each and every person that needs a healing in their bodies. Holy Spirit, touch and move and transform and renew, Father, relationships. Oh, God, touch relationships, Lord. We liberate forgiveness. We liberate grace. We liberate love and joy and patience over those relationships, God. Take control. Transform them. Transform them, God. Oh, Lord, where there needs to be a miracle, Father. Oh, Lord, have your way. Have your way, Lord. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, those who need, if you need a healing, I want you to lift up your hands so I know. Anyone who needs a healing, healing, healing. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, Father, you would flow, Father, that you would cleanse, Lord, blood systems, Father, that you would cleanse muscular systems, Father, that you would clear, Father, uh, lungs and esophaguses and stomachs, God, where there needs to be a new lining in the stomach. Be made in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Problems, Lord. We lift up promise, problems, Father, and, and healings. Father. We, we need healings, Father, in our spines, in our muscular system, Father. Let them line up in the name of Jesus. Line up in the name of Jesus. Heart problems, they are not too big for you, God. Cleanse, Father, the blood. Cleanse blood, Father. Make it new. Rejuvenate, Father. Cells that need to be rejuvenated. Renew, Father, the cells that have, or, that have died that need to be uh, renewed and brought back to life. Father, I pray, Father. I pray for any couple here, Father, that are praying for a baby, Lord. I pray that your healing, Father, would flow uteruses, Father, that they would be liberated, Father, those places that have been called dead and inactive, Lord, they will wake up in the name of Jesus and they will be healed, Father, and and bear life, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we lift up emotional problems, God. I pray, Father, that you would touch, that you would heal, Father, that you would bring our emotions, Lord, back that, that line up with your word, Father, that there will be joy where joy is, is necessary. With There will be peace, God, in the midst of, of dilemma, Father. In the name of Jesus, regulate, Father, the chemicals that flow in our brains, God. Regulate them, God, that they would line up to the Word of God, that there would not be an imbalance in the chemicals in our brains, Father. They would line up, line up, line up in the name of Jesus. God, for those who need a miracle, a financial miracle, Father, have your way, Father. We are made to be to bless others and not to be takers. And Father, we are made, Lord, to be the head and not the tail. And Father, I pray, Father, that you would transform, transform, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.